0: Thank you, Hannah. Well, if you've been around here the last couple of weeks, uh, maybe you remember that a couple of weeks ago we started off by uh, me saying, "Me, I need to lead. Me, I need uh, to lead." We said the number one obstacle to me leading me is my emotions. And uh, uh, if you were here last week, we said, "Feelings, you're not the boss of me." Here's a picture of uh, sort of my interpretation of me trying to push my emotions around, and uh, that doesn't work out too well for me, but. Um, What I need to do is I need to be a self-leader and they need to identify those things and lead. And so this morning, uh, kind of what I want to talk about this morning is this. Uh, Do you want to be better? Uh, better? Do you want to be better? Do you want to be uh, maybe better in relationships or better at parenting? Or do you want to be uh, better financially or a better man of God or a better woman of faith? Do you want to make those improvements? Do you want to be better? This morning, what we're going to talk about is this. You can write this down in your bulletin. Uh, who am I now? Who am I now? Next week, what we're going to talk about is who do I want to be? Who am I now versus who do I want to be? Who am I and Now, who am I now? We're going to talk about that. But uh, this morning, it's going to kind of stem off of this idea of do you want to be better? And so the next logical question is, compared to what? Compared to what, right? I, sure, I want to be better com- compared to, you know, some people, right? And it's really easy to be better than some people compared to who. But uh, here's this thing. Have you ever heard of this thing before? It's called Paralysis by analysis. You ever heard of that before? Paralysis by analysis. What is paralysis? Paralysis is um, not in, in the inability to move, right? You're paralyzed, paralyzed. Uh, pa- analysis. Uh, paralysis by analysis is you start to analyze. You start to look around and uh, you start to compare yourself and then it makes you immobile. And uh, kind of the way that works is uh, I like to go to, I used to like to go to the North American Christian Convention. Everybody want to do that one? North American Christian Convention? And go, All right, you guys used to go. Al used to go, and so and uh, that's not around anymore. Now I like to go to the uh, the National Preaching and Teaching Summit, which is in Joplin, Missouri. I like to I like to go to that, and I go to these conferences, and um, there's some big names there. You know, some of the best preachers in, in the country are there, and they're preaching, and I listen to those guys preaching. Oh man, if only I could preach like that. They're great, great preachers. Wow, they're great preachers. And go to some of the workshops, and there'll be Bible college professors there. And, and people that are you know authors of books, and, and I learn all of this stuff, so, "Oh man, I wish I could be that smart." man. man, they're just so smart. And, and, I, and so I, I go there I go to these things, and, and paralysis by analysis, I look at them and say, "Oh man, I'll never be able to preach like that guy can preach." You know, I, I'll never be as smart, I'll never be as smart as that, that person leading that workshop, I'll, I'll never be that smart. And so I just kind of go, well, knowing that I'll never be that good, and knowing that I'll never be that smart, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably just okay to kind of do what I do, right? Uh, but the other side is true, too. I've been a preacher for a, a long time, been in this game for about 30 years almost. Um, I started when I was 10. And, um, and so uh, I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of preachers. And I talk to some preachers, and, you know, we get together, and uh, we talk preacher talk, and, and uh, I know that some, some churches, uh, their eldership, their eldership is dysfunctional, you know, and there's uh, warring and factions within their, their, within their leadership. And and then some of the churches, the, the churches are starting to split because, you know, these guys want this to happen and these guys want this to happen. And, and so there's tension in the church and, and financially it's kind of broken and they're not able to pay bills and, and things like that. And so I see these other churches that are kind of like that and I talk to these other guys and I go, well, at least, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. You know, our, our church isn't like like that right and so then instead of going and looking over here man i could i could never i could never aspire i could never work so hard to be that good well i guess i'll just have to be content with who i am and i can look over here and i go uh, well at least i'm not like them so actually i'm in, in pretty good shape and, and so uh, where's the motivation to get better it's paralysis by analysis i mean it makes sense to you Makes sense? you know we do we do that spiritually um uh, you know, I, I there's people that that I know and I, I go around and I go, man, I, uh, I I wish they would get their life together and, and find Jesus and and uh, because you know they they claim to be a Christian but man, you look at their life and go, at least I'm not. At least I'm not like that, right? But then there's other people. Remember Bible Bowl? Anybody in here old enough to remember Bible Bowl? Have you ever heard of that thing before? And, you know, these people, they'd memorize like a whole book of the Bible, and then they would be challenged on that and say, well, I'll never be Bible Bowl Christian. I'll never be Bible Bowl. But at least I'm not like. And we and paralysis, And so we just kind of sit in this place in our faith, paralysis by analysis, paralysis by analysis. And, and Paul, Paul talked a little bit about that. Paul talked a little bit about that. And uh, he's, he's writing to the church in Galatia. And he's saying, hey, there's something I just kind of want to set out there in front of you, church. And he says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. I am shocked. I'm shocked that uh, you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way than that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Paul's writing to these, uh, this church of new Christians, and he's saying, hey, you guys, you, you kind of backed yourself up into the starting blocks. And, and you took off and you ran well for a while, but then, then you started listening to these other people and these other voices and maybe even your own emotions and things that were uh, speaking into your world. And then uh, you just kind of started to go off the track and paralysis by analysis or just kind of moving away. And do you, do you want to be better? Do you want to make these improvements in, in your life and in, in your faith? And here's the way kind of uh, this works. Uh, our faith has a starting point, right? A starting point where we said, I desire uh, to be a follower of Jesus. And we started on, on this journey. And, uh, uh, but we said last week, if you were here, we said, uh, when we became a Christian, when we became a Christian, uh, our soul was saved, but our mind wasn't. We're still going to battle with these kind of things uh, as to what it is to be. And so there's a starting point, and we kind of jump off. Uh, look at these pictures. Look at these pictures. Uh, these races, right, races, and um, uh, Formula One, right, Formula One, or, you know, bicycle races, Tour de France, or whatever that might be, you know, track and field races, or, or skiing, you know, downhill skiing, and, and uh, all, of those, all of those races have these starting points, right? They all have, you know, the, the gun sound, or the horn blows, or whatever it might be, and, and off they go, and they're in the race, and they're in the race, and they're in the race, and, and uh, you know what's crazy about that? When you, when you think about these Do you know what the margin of victory is in these things? The margin of it, listen to this, Formula One racers, uh, Mercedes-Benz, they traditionally race a lot of these Formula One things. You know that Mercedes-Benz has a $300 million budget that they put into their Formula One race team right? $300 million that they put into their Formula One race team. And, uh, so, you know, once a year, the Formula One, uh, they all go into Indy, right? They go into Indianapolis and they race the Indianapolis 500. And, uh, and so they, they race, they have time trials there and they got to go around the track four times and, and then they take their speed uh, for each one of those and they put them together and then they have an average speed and pole position, Pole position in 2020. Do you know how fast the guy was going to get pole position? He was going. He had a four-lap four speed of 231 miles an hour. 231.068 miles an hour. These people are going around. Two and a two-and-a-half-mile track. They're going around this track in less than 40 seconds. They're going a mile in less than 20, in less than 18 seconds. They're going, I'm like, oh, we just, yes. Oh, man. You know how quick you get across that bridge? Oh, yeah. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Not pole position, but second place. The guy guy gets to sit next to him, doesn't get, the inside, Gets uh, you know how fast he was going? You know how fast he was going and got second place there? He was going 231 miles an hour, 0.051. He wasn't going 0.068, he was going 0.051. I mean, this guy was slow, right? I mean, a tenth of a second, you know, or is that a hundredth of a second? I don't know. When it comes to one lap, it's about eight inches of difference, and when it comes to crossing that finish line, but all of those races, right? What are the margins of victory? What are the margins of victory in all of those races? Sometimes almost microscopic, you know, fractions of a hundred of a second. You watch the swimmers and, and they touch the mat and it's just boom, boom. And Why would you invest hundreds of millions of dollars? Why would you in, invest your, your life as an athlete just to, to spend all of that money. Well, this year we're hoping to shave one one-hundredth of a second off of last year's time and it takes an entire year's effort and engineers and, uh, and a thousand people on a team in order to... Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Well, these... these uh, they they, they, they kind of get in the starting blocks and then they go... And they take off. And, 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 and so there's a track there, right? There, there's kind of a linear track. There's a, there's a starting and a finishing point. But there's also, there's also kind of a breadth in the track, right? There's a, there's a side to side. And so uh, the, the, the Formula One guys, they, they try to use the whole track, right? When they, you know, kind of get real tight on this corner and take this one wide. It's same with the NASCAR, right? You see them uh, kind of going wide and then coming down inside or trying to, or they're using the whole track. They're trying to, uh, and, and when the, the skiers are going down the hill and the blue lines are there, they're, they're using from side to side, they're using the track as well, right? that takes place with us spiritually as well. We had a starting point when we said, I desire to be a Christ follower, and the finish point is out there. The, the finish line is when we pass from this life to the next. But do you realize that your spiritual journey also has a width, a breadth to it as well? Uh, there's, kind of a, uh, there's some space in there, and here's how we we'll define those. You can write this down in, in your bulletin. We'll define them this way. We'll call them... Legalism and license. Legalism and license. Legalism and license. And so on one side, you have legalism. We'll define it this way. Legalism is earning slash maintaining the favor or approval of God with certain behaviors and practices. With certain behaviors and practices, I will win the favor or the approval of God. I'm going to work very hard, as Jesus described it, to keep the outside of the cup clean. And I'm going to make sure that everyone else knows that I know what the Christian rules are. And I'm going to look at the other people that don't know what the rules are. And I'm going to make sure they understand that I know what they are and that they don't know what they are. After all, I mean, there's people out there, you know, the old saying, right? You don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? You've heard that. We've all heard that over and over again, right? And so we kind of are over here and we have this legalistic righteousness, right? And we say, well, at least we're not like them. Right? And, and so that's, that's kind of, uh, there's a guardrail over here on the track, if you will, or a, a painted line over here on one side. But on the other side of the track, if you will, it's license, license, license. We'll, describe, we'll define it like this dismissing or diminishing any standard of godliness in the name of grace. Well, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. I'm not hurting anyone. Who am I to judge? I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to follow my heart, my feelings, my emotions. And so you stand over here on this side and you say, well, I can do whatever I want. I mean, uh, the grace of God will cover. And so I get to do and live and feel. And, and, you know, I know that maybe God says, well, don't do this. But if you do this a little bit, it's okay. And, and you kind of live over. On, 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 so put the, put, the, oh, put the tic-tac-toe board up there. And, and so it kind of looks like this. Uh, this morning we're, we're just kind of asking ourselves, where are we spiritually? And so maybe some of you, you know, you started in your journey, it's kind of linear, you, there's a start point, you didn't start very, very long ago, and so uh, the finish line is kind of way out there for some of you, and you know, obviously we don't all know when the finish line is uh, for us, but uh, you know, the older we get, we know we're getting closer, right? And, and so there's, there's linear this way, but there's also this this breadth, of, and so some of you just started, and, and you, you learned right away, uh, maybe you got baptized when you were very young, and you immediately jumped way over there to the... That legalistic side because you were taught in your home what a good Christian does. And you, you were kind of on that side. And, and and maybe you found faith later in life and you'd made all kinds of mistakes. And the only thing that you fell into the arms of Jesus was uh, you said, I need to know, I need to have and accept that grace of Jesus because my life is a big mess. And you started uh, way over there and, and you kind of move forward. And, and so we're all kind of somewhere on this this grid of make sense? Does it make sense? Can you kind of identify the place maybe where you're in on, on that? And Listen. Galatians says this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21-22. Is there a conflict then between God's law, legalism, and God's promises? His promise is, is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're baptized into Him, get the Holy Spirit, you're done. You're good. It's in. Right? You have been saved. But wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be holy unto God? And, and, and so is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. I could be so good that God would have to let me into his perfect kingdom because I deserve it. No, well, that doesn't work. But the scriptures declare... That we are all prisoners of sin. That means there's sin in me. That means I don't get to go to heaven. Unless, uh, so, we re- so we receive God's promises of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. We receive Christ freely. We receive Christ freely, but we are not to abuse the grace that has been given to us. So what what do we do? Where are we on the grid, and how do we move forward, and what do we do? Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, <clears throat> And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on, say put on, yeah, that was weak, all right, <clears throat> have put on the character of Christ, like putting on new Like putting on new clothes. Show this picture. And uh, uh, so we are to, um, listen to this, listen to this. Athletes wear the right clothing to improve their game. Right, athletes wear the right clothing to improve their game. Can you imagine, you know, being in line at Aldi and you're buying your groceries, or your Walmart, or Menards, or wherever you at? And then this couple comes up to you, and, and they're dressed like they're dressed like that figure skating couple that's that's there. You know, it's like, oh wow, are you guys contestants on Dancing with the Stars? Right? And you know, you you're kind of it looks weird here in Walmart to look. oh, maybe not in Walmart. It looks so weird here in, in Menards like that, right? Uh, can you imagine being in line at the grocery store? You're at Hy-Vee, and and somebody walks up with one of those erasing suits on for the speed skaters, you know, body as all tight there and all that kind of stuff. You look at them and say, "Why? Why are you dressed like that? You just you look weird dressed like that." But the reality is, is that they do that. They dress that way to enhance. Their performance they do that uh, to uh, to win to be more competitive they they change what they wear in order to advance to, to be uh, to be better they do that because here's what we know if first place winner of the speed skating circle if he takes off that suit and he just puts on a pair of baggy jeans and he puts a, a sweatshirt on and then he races that same race again the guy that was in second is now going to be in first he's going to pass him because he is not properly clothed in order to win the race. Right? We get that. We understand that. We understand that. And so he says, put on the character of Christ and clothe yourselves." Sometimes we say, I, I don't know that I want to wear that spiritually. I'm not sure that I want to be seen wearing that spiritually in Public, And so we take off that which we should wear and we step way over to the grace side and we just kind of ask God to step out of the room and uh, I'm going to dress this way and participate in this activity and then I know that I'll be able to re-clothe myself and go to church on Sunday. When we play these kind of me, I need to lead. Do people see you When, when, you, when you first became a Christian, when you first became a Christian, were you younger and, you know, you became a Christian? And, and uh, were you grumpy? Uh, uh, were you, uh, grumpy? Uh, were you uh, judgmental at all? Were, uh, were you selfish when you first became a Christian? Because the question then becomes, have you been a Christian for a long time? And do people still see you as selfish or grumpy? judgmental? Or do people see you growing in kindness and gentleness and self-control? Are you clothed to be better, to win, in the incremental, tiny little advancements in our faith? Because God, God is the author and the perfecter of life, and he gives us advice as to how to best do life. Anger and selfishness and lust can wreck our lives, but God gives us instructions to stay away from those things so that we can advance ourselves towards being more like Jesus. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. That means God knows and you're not getting away with anything. And so clothe yourself and advance and, and, and be in, in the game, be in the race. And, but he says right after, he says, you always harvest what you plant. You'll always harvest what you plant. Here's the problem that we, here spiritually, here's the problem that we all have. We just love the microwave. We love, I love my microwave. Every morning I make coffee and you know I, I drink it and I sip it and then, and then it cools down. And I take my my coffee and I put it in the microwave and I, you know, about 15, 20 seconds and pull that out of there. Oh, yeah, perfect again. You know, I like the microwave. I like the microwave because uh, if I want popcorn, right, I can just take the bag and put it in there. A minute and a half later, I've got popcorn. I like, we like the microwave. We like, it's quick, it's easy. We get it done now and we just microwave it and it's done. And uh, here's what I know. Um, I would like to be able to speak Spanish. I would like to be able to speak Spanish, but years ago, my wife and I, when we were living in Southern California, we, we would go down and do mission trips in, in Mexico, and, and, uh, and, and now, you know, we're, uh, we haven't done that, but we've traveled several times. We like to go, and especially in January, we like to go vacation in Mexico. And it's a little bit uncomfortable when you're in the stores, and uh, you know you're you're there, and everybody's speaking Spanish around you. And I sure wish I could speak Spanish uh, then. And um, but they don't they don't make Steve speak Spanish. Put it in the microwave, and now I speak Spanish. They don't make that. And a long, long time ago, I bought How to Speak Spanish on cassette tapes. Some of you guys Google that. You'll figure out what those are, right? And, uh, and so I bought on cassette tapes and I made it through about the first tape and that was as far as I got. Now they got Rosetta Stone and Babel and all those things. And they said, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to learn how to do Spanish. I would love to be-. they don't have the microwave Spanish, but I do have a retirement plan. Someday I'm hoping to be retired. And so at the age of 65, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket, I'm going to win the lottery, and then I'm going to be able to retire because that comes in the microwave form. I'm so grateful that you know retirement comes in the microwave form, right? So for a long, long, long time, my wife and I have been putting money at incremental steps into the bank account, knowing that someday we hope to Uh, Retire, but it's a process. It's a process. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Write this down. Growth requires daily decisions that are easy to do. Write that down. Growth requires decisions that are easy to do. They are easy to do. Write that down. Growth requires daily decisions that are easy to do. And, write this down, and easy not to do and easy not to do. I want to be in great shape. I would love to be in great shape, but here's what I know. All I need to do, if I just 20 minutes every day, 20 minutes every day, and, and so on every other day, if I would just get on my treadmill for 20 minutes every other day, that's a complete uh, aerobic uh, workout in 20 minutes. If you get your heart rate up, it's a complete thorough aerobic workout. And then uh, the, in those in-between days, every other day, I've got a weight uh, set down in my, in my basement. I've got a weight room down there. And so if every day, I would just 20 minutes. Treadmill this day, weights this way. Treadmill this At 20 minutes, all I need to do to be in the shape that I want to be in 20 minutes every day. It's easy to do. Well, it's really easy not to do. It's really easy not to. I know it's only going to be 20 minutes, but I already sat down on the couch and well, then I'd have to get up off the couch, right? It's, it's really easy to do, but it's easy not to do. Isn't that, isn't that the way that that works? Um, I would really like to read my Bible and have that Bible reading have nothing to do with my occupation. That would seemingly be easy to do, but it's a whole lot easier to not you know, I, I have to read my Bible. I you know, I got preparation for that or preparation for a kid's thing or whatever the case may be, or I'm going to Bible study and that's where you, you read your Bible and growth requires doing things daily that are easy to do but easy not to do. I would love to pray more. I enjoy I enjoy prayer time. I enjoy prayer time. I, I like to pray. I like as I can be alone. And I can be very focused and I enjoy praying, but I like it. So it's easy to do. It's also very easy to, to do something else. I would like to do more random acts of kindness, just to be generous of people. Just random, just kind of surprise them. You know, ring the doorbell, here's a gift, I'm out of here. kind of, Just kind of fun. It's easy to do. It's easy not to do. In conclusion, Galatians chapter six, verses eight and nine. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Incremental, microscopic advances forward over a long period of time. Back in the 1940s, lap speeds at the Indianapolis 500, 50 miles an hour. Incremental, small advances. And today, 231 miles an hour. Incremental, small steps moving forward. Where are you now? Maybe you've been convicted that uh, there are some areas that I, I need to move away from the grace side and, and, and take more seriously. Maybe, maybe you're thinking of some things that you're kind of judgmental about this and you, you need to kind of relax on that a little bit, but we're moving forward. We're staying on the track and we're moving forward. Next week we're gonna talk about kind of what's next. But for now... I'm confident God is convicting you. You know what God is calling you to do, to be closer to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Help us to be the people you call us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.